Good morning, my name is Andrea Smith. Thank you for choosing West this morning to worship. And I hope that by the time you leave today, you have left with something that matters to you and a way to connect with God in a bigger, more intentional way. We send a very special and warm welcome to those of you who are worshiping online with us this morning or via podcast throughout the week. Now, uh, on Saturday nights, I go to bed pretty early. I don't like to do things on Saturday nights anymore. I am a hermit because I need to be at my best on Sunday morning, so I'm a bit of a night owl in the sense that I need to go to bed. So I did not have a chance to see uh, who won the Powerball, so if you could just hold on just a second. I have some lottery tickets. Daniel, could you? uh, This is our new associate pastor, so I thought you could meet Daniel this morning. And I think associate pastors are supposed to do whatever the senior pastor says. Is that how that works? That's exactly how it works. That's always how it was in my life when I was an associate pastor. So good. Uh, Daniel, could you pull up the numbers for the North Carolina Powerball Lottery, please, and let me know what the winning numbers were so I can uh, see if maybe I won. Well, that kind of depends. Why? Uh, Only if the senior pastor is willing to share with the associate pastor her... That's a good one. Um, Actually, you know, I will share with you all. Uh, I believe in tithing, 10%. So if I win, 10% goes to West. I'll even give you a $100 bonus. Sweet, okay. Um, So the winning numbers were 16, 19, 32, 34, 57, and the Powerball number was 13. Hmm. Um, Do all those numbers have to be on the same line? I, I think that's how it works. I really don't know. I don't what think if we take this one from this ticket? I know, that's what I was wondering, here. if we could like combine <laughs> them. I don't, I don't think I won. I'm a little disappointed. Well, now I'm disappointed too. I know, you, that $100 bonus was going to be huge for you. <laughs> um, did any of you guys buy Powerball tickets? All See, right. you're not ashamed to say that. Don't I was worried afraid. that you would be embarrassed about, you know, confessing that you bought Powerball tickets. Since we do have some people that actually bought Powerball tickets, listen, I want to go on and say two disclaimers right now. Number one, Amy Coles, you are the vice bishop, and I know that you worship online with us every single week. And so I want to go on and say that these are not mine. I did not buy the Powerball tickets. And secondly, I do know in the book of discipline, it says, this is for all my Methodist preacher friends that listen to West, uh, gambling is an abomination. I believe that would be the correct verbiage in the book of discipline. So I have given that as a disclaimer, and now I'm moving on past that. Uh, Because you see... You guys buy this. And do you know that this goes to support my husband's salary? Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm so justifying that. And that is so not true because they just took money from one pot and moved it to another. Uh, ask Scott Smith how much he likes the North Carolina lottery and he'll be glad to give you his opinion. However, that's my disclaimer about lottery tickets because I do believe that you believe in tithing. And if you win, you'll give West 10% of all your winnings, right? Oh, come on. Now, that is not nearly as many that clapped to buying tickets. Clearly, next Sunday's message will be on the power of tithes. Okay, so I'm just letting you know that now. Uh, I want us to turn up the lights. This actually has relevance to the message today. I'm not just wasting time. I want you to not be ashamed of buying a Powerball ticket. If you bought a ticket, I want to ask you, what would you do? What's one thing you would do with your winnings? Who would be willing? Willing to share? Will you raise your hand? Oh, good. Right up here. 
And I, I want more than one person, so I really want you to raise your hand if you bought a ticket and you'll save. All right, good. <laughs> Carolyn? Drake said online that if he won, he would share. Drake said online that if he won, he would share. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. And Drake? I would too. Yeah, we would share. Share it. Share. That's all right, just whole... overall share. That's good. All right. Yeah. Down here, Jason Spencer and Erica, you two bought tickets, right? All right, let's see what you would do with it. First, I would freak out. I would pay off my house, and I definitely would share with charity. Oh, good. Pay off your house and share with charity. All right, Erica, Daniel, right behind you. What would you do? I would pay for grad school. Pay for grad school. All right, very good. Any more Powerball betters that want to share what you would do with it? I know. Uh, over here, Mr. Fox, right? Larry Fox, Daniel. Larry, what would you do? So uh, it, it's Lance, but... Um, oh, Lance, sorry. It's, it's okay. <laughs> so I, I, I probably speak for myself and most of the colleagues at work when we left Friday is we had decided or trying to contemplate if we should write our resume uh, or I mean our um, uh, resignation letter either on Friday being optimistic or not. But I think we're all going to see each other come Monday. Come Monday. You know that, what? Yeah. That goes perfectly with the next sermon illustration that I was going to share to kick off the message for today. So thank you, Daniel, for being the roving reporter. And uh, sound team, thank you for turning the lights up. Did y'all buy a group lottery ticket? You didn't, so you each played individually, but you did, right? Okay. The family bought a group ticket, and y'all bought individual tickets. Clap if you bought a group lottery ticket. Clap if you've never bought a lottery ticket in your life. You know what? If I thought I'd win, I probably would actually like buy a lottery ticket, but I know that the odds would not be in my favor. There was a group in New York City. They were called the Lucky 16. On May 1st of this year, they actually won the multi-state lottery, and they individually won like $1.5 million. It was like a $16 million. Well, there's the math. That can't be right. But anyway, some kind of mathematical formula. Maybe it was $16 billion and they got $1.5. I have no idea. All those numbers swirl around in my head. But the bottom line is they actually won. The lucky 16, they won. It was an office pool. So many of you actually and many of the people in our society right now in our state are pooling together to buy lottery tickets because the, the pool is so big. And so some people are actually coming up with systems. So if you buy this many and you have the odds of this many numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the bottom line is it's all luck. I mean, there is no strategy truly to winning the lottery. It is random. The little balls bubbling around in the box or the circle and then they land. It's all luck. 
This message series for the next couple of weeks, including today, we're talking about how to live a life that matters. Last week, we talked about how to live a life that matters, and if we measure our lives based on how we love, how we love God and how we love one another, well, today, we're gonna take that just one step further and hopefully one step deeper. So I wanna start by telling you a story about a young lady from a church in Oklahoma. She went to Life Church. It's one of the largest churches in America and in our, in our world. Craig Rochelle is the pastor there. And she told her testimony. I got to watch the testimony on a video and it was, it was so powerful. You see, she did not always start out in church. She grew up a daughter of an abusive father and a mother who was addicted to drugs. Her dad was also an alcoholic. By her teenage years, she decided that she could not do that anymore. She ran away. She ran away, however, and got involved in a gang. And so she, too, turned to drugs and alcohol and theft. It was funny, in her testimony midway through, she goes, and I want to apologize right now if I stole any of your car radios. Uh, if you'll tell me if I stole them, I'll pay it back. It was, it was really funny because, you see, she was convicted that this life that she had had and this life that she was having now were not able to reconcile with one another unless she had something bigger, and that something bigger is what I want us to talk about today. So she was a gang member in downtown Oklahoma City, and and after several years of that and the drugs and the theft, she ended up going to live with her grandmother. Now, her grandmother was a person of faith, but never really crammed it down her throat. You know, she just said, you're welcome to go with me if you would like, but I'm not going to push you. And so she, after a period of time, decided that she would go with her grandmother. And she said, you know, I went to church for the first time and nothing magical happened. I didn't have this aha moment, you know, and, and hear the angelic sounds and, and just have this conviction in my soul. It was fine. There was nothing, you know, outlandish that happened that convicted me, nothing really just earth shattering. It was fine. So I went home with my grandmother. I kept going back, you know, a couple of times a month with my grandma. And again, nothing really ever convicted me. But apparently all throughout that time, something was happening inside of me that I did not know or realize. Finally, she said that she went to a youth summer camp while she was there in that in that space with people that were like her, her peers, something happened. She said, in that safe place and in that safe period of time, I fell in love with Jesus. And so she went back and she told her grandmother, she said, I, I have accepted that there is something in this world bigger than I am. She used the term saved. Uh, I've been saved you know what saved means? It means transformed. It means changed. So she tells her grandmother, I've been saved. And she changed. She said she changed how she lived her life. You know, she had continued to walk away from the drugs and the alcohol. But this time she had purpose and she had meaning. She wanted to share with other people this amazing thing that had happened and was happening inside of her. Sadly, though, not too long after this aha transformational moment with God. Her grandmother was diagnosed with cancer 
and in a very short period of time, her grandmother died. Because she was underage, she was declared a ward of the state. She found herself homeless again. In the meantime, though, she had been going to Life Church and had remained in contact with her small group of youth. And one Sunday after church, this couple came up to her and said, you know, hey, would you like to go to lunch with us today? And she said, sure. And so she went with this couple to lunch. Now, by this time, she's living in foster care. And this couple continues to take her to lunch after worship on Sundays. Time passes by. This lunch meeting, this lunch opportunity grows into something more. They fall in love with her and she falls in love with them. They end up paying for her to go to college and eventually she moved in with them. She goes on to say that after college, they asked her if she would like to be adopted by them. Now, by this time, you know, she didn't need adoption. You know, she'd gone through college and she had a degree and she was able to be independent. But she said it meant so much to her that this couple that, you know, she didn't know at all prior to the invite to lunch on a Sunday wanted her to be a part of their own, a part of their family. So she said yes. She was the first adult, adult adoption in the state of Oklahoma. All that happened because of some connections that happened in church. Last Sunday, we talked about how do we live a life that matters? How do we make our life be life-size? And we talked about how we need to love, love God and love one another. I gave away pennies last Sunday and a penny that had a C on it that said, make it count. Well, this morning, I want us to talk about how do we make it count in the season and in the meaning of love. Scripture gives us a very clear definition of how that happens. This morning, our scripture lesson is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a very short passage, and actually, this is a pretty short sermon or message this morning because the message is is very simple. It's called The Value of a Friend. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their actions. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Last Sunday when we talked about the book called Measure Your Life by Eric Christensen, which is on the national bestseller list now, and it's, it's actually written for a business world 
and it's written by this gentleman who was a Harvard business professor, and he talked about how all these, they're called high achievers in the business world. You know, they would get together at their five-year, 10-year, and 20-year reunion, and ultimately at that 25-year reunion, they saw that the same group of people that were so hungry at that five-year reunion, and they all came fresh right out of school and, and right in the beginnings of their career in these big, big opportunities. They were still happy and they were hungry, but they started to notice that one by one, you know, they were starting to get divorced and become separated from their families. And as the years went on, by the time it was time for their 20 and 25 year reunion, one of their members was involved in the Enron scandal and he was serving time in prison. The rest of the most of the most of these high achievers at this, you know, prestigious university where they had graduated from, they were alone. They were no longer with their children. Their children were being raised by other people on the other side of the world because they had committed all that they had to their careers. They had invested in the wrong things. Those are called the hygiene factors in Christensen's book. You know, we invest in status and monetary things. And actually, we should invest in transformational things. And we should ask ourselves questions like, you know, is what I do right now going to make a difference? Is what I do with this person right now going to make a difference? I think it's interesting, going back to the lottery image, that right now on the internet and if you read blogs, people are strategizing how to buy lottery tickets together. Some studies will tell you that it does not increase your odds at all if you go in with a pool. Now, the lucky 16 in New York, they'll argue that because they had a system and they'll say, if you pull it together, you are better off. You know, with the lottery, it's a 50-50, but with life, it isn't. When we befriend one another, when we find people that have something in common with us, we're not alone. And I am not talking about a love that is of uh, partner to partner. I am talking about a love that is from one heart to another as a friend. You do not have to be married to be happy and to have a companionship. I think that's the beauty of the church. I think that is why we bother coming here Sunday after Sunday. Worshiping online is powerful, and we can build connections together online if we form community. That's why periodically we have online Bible studies. You've heard me say several times, if you've been a part of West for any period of time, we have several members now that are purely digital members. But you know what? They're not just anonymous in cyberspace. One of the powerful things that we do together as a faith community is work together to make a difference in our local community and in our world. We can't do that alone. We can't build orphanage homes in Nebi, Uganda by ourselves. We cannot pull off the back to school bash and be the catalyst for that in the community alone. I can't go do that by myself and neither one of you. But when we pull together with ourselves and with other organizations, with other churches, something big happens. Where else can you find that in our world? Homeowners associations and developments that we live in, they're great. 
But the beauty of a faith community is that the one strand that binds us together, the cord that is so strong that it will never be broken, is that our hearts are united in one thing. And that one thing is love. We don't have to agree on theology. We can be at total ends of the spectrum, even on something like gambling. As I have pointed out, a disclaimer, the United Methodists think that gambling is an abomination. However, you know, some of us are over here on that issue. Some look at it as entertainment, blah, blah, blah. I can justify anything. If you ever need justification, call me. But um, some look at it over here that it's, that it's okay. And then for others... You know, some of us have addictive personalities and addictions go crazy sometimes when they're fed. So rather than getting involved in it at all, they just stay completely away. We can be at all ends of the spectrum on things like that. And I use lottery because it's such an innocuous kind of thing when it's at the the top level. But There are lots of other things that we can debate in scripture that we're not gonna believe the same things on, but that's okay. You see, that's the beauty of being a part of of an open faith community where we can come and we we can wrestle with things like scripture, but at the end of the day, we love one another and that cord that is united together in a cord of three, it is not equally broke, easily broken. That's why we do this. That's why we bother. That's one of those questions, those transformational factors. Why does this matter? What do I do with my life that is going to matter? That's why we invest our time, our energy, our emotional vulnerability in this thing that we call a faith community, but at the end of the day, the bottom line is it's a church. God created us to be in relationship with one another. That's that whole image of Adam, humankind, and Eve. God created the partner so that one would not be alone. I invite you this morning, and in the days and the weeks ahead, especially in this first month of a new year, to invest a little bit of yourself, or maybe even a lot, in this or any faith community Don't be anonymous. There was a couple at a former church that I was a part of, and they came to me once and they said, you know, we we need some help. Our lives are falling apart. We are not in love with one another. He had an addiction to porn, and she had discovered the addiction and it really wasn't okay with her anymore. They had grown apart and grown apart and they came to me for some counseling. And so I went through this list of questions that I normally go through when I'm meeting someone for the first time because you see, I didn't really know these folks. To them, I was just one of their pastors. And I said, well, you know, tell me about you know, your involvement here at the church, etc." And they said, well, we've gone here for over 10 years, but we've never met a soul. Now I thought, okay, you're just you know, saying that. Maybe you mean you don't know people like you, know, you could go up and call them the wrong name like I just did with Lance, not Larry, right? Is that right? Lance, right, okay, see, I'm scared I've already forgotten. 
They knew no one. They were anonymous. When we go back to the scripture, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can keep one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We can't be anonymous and we can't be unknown. Not if we wanna have those heart connections, not if we want our lives to count. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot go it alone. So I want you to picture in your mind a penny And I want you to picture on the penny, the C, because that's what I gave out last Sunday. And what I asked was that you carry that penny and you feel it in your pocket. And then when you see that God is nudging you to do something, to do something nice, to do something that might make a difference for somebody else, move the penny from one pocket to another. Make it be a tangible thing for you that will remind you that it is about something bigger than we are. It is about love. That couple that I counseled, I told them, I said, you know, I I love you. I am your pastor. I will do anything that I can to help you, but it can't be all me. It can't even be a counselor that I send you to. You need people to do life together with. You need a small group. You need people that will know your struggles and also know your joys. And I get that we are all human and it is tough to, you know, like find a path and find a place. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a big group of 30. But don't be anonymous here at West or online anymore. One of the things that keeps me up at night is that every week we have somewhere between 30 and 45 people, households, worshiping online. That's 35, 40 unique IP addresses. And I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are because I want you to be known, not by me, but by one another. The digital member that I've told you about several times, Andrea Strahl, this is how this matters and this is how this makes a difference. Andrea has worshiped here when she comes to visit with her family, when she comes down for holidays or special occasions, she comes here in person, but the vast majority of her time is digital. She now is one of our leaders of West. She hosts our online chat at least once or twice a month. A few weeks ago, right before Christmas, I saw on Facebook a picture of a Ziploc bag, and in it there were some items that she had placed together to give to people that were standing on the side of the streets that were homeless. When she would drive by, she would take this packet that she had made and and give it away. And she wrote in her description or her post, her status post, I got this idea from my church west. You see, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when we put ourselves out there to be known. The impact goes further. And that's how we bring about change in the world. That's how we make this life life size. That's how we make it matter. You know, I've told you before, probably too many times, and sometimes you probably get tired of hearing it. I always wonder if this matters. 
I ask myself, you know, what my, I don't have multiple personalities. I did not ask myself. <laughs> or I might, I'm not sure. Uh, seriously, I have one personality. I ask myself, in a digital world where you can listen to the sermon, you can hear great music online anytime, any day, why this? Last Sunday afternoon, we went to Greensboro to do Christmas with Scott's family and my phone buzzed as I was walking by and I thought, well, that's odd. Middle of a Sunday afternoon, I don't normally get a lot of text. So I stopped to go look at my phone and I was so glad that I did. It was one of those God moments. I call it a God moment because it had been a good day. We'd had a great day of worship and then we were having a great day with family. And it just sort of, it put the period at the end of the sentence for me. It was a text by one of our college students. And if you read the Friday e-news, that's the one time a week that we communicate with you via email. Uh, if you read that, you've heard this story. Forgive me for telling it again, but it really mattered. This young lady wrote me that she and her family had gone to a local bar to watch the Panthers game. And she had gotten up to go to the restroom. And as she was walking, she had her hands in her pockets. And so she was fiddling with the things that were in her pockets. And one of the things in her pocket, probably the only thing was the penny. That's why I gave it away. That's why I want you to get a penny and write a C on it because it needs to count. Our lives need to count. So she wrote me that as she was going to the restroom, she's fiddling in her pocket. She fills the penny. She gets it out. She looks at it and she goes, oh, we talked about this in church today. I need to make it count. I need to look for someone to love. She said that she noticed a gentleman sitting at the actual bar and that he looked a little disheveled. And she said, you know, I didn't want to judge him. So I stopped myself from thinking some of the things that my brain normally would do. And I thought, I'm not going to pass judgment on him at all. But I did notice his actions. He was digging in his pockets for some change. And he was sitting there at the bar, stacking them up one on top of another, trying to count apparently to see if he had enough money to buy, for his, buy his food. She said she went to the bathroom and on her way back to sit with her parents, she was convicted. The penny convicted her. So she told her parents about the man and then this is, I just love you guys. You not only paid for his lunch, but her family gave him enough so that he would have more to eat. We can't necessarily do all those things alone. There is power in connection and there is power in community. And who knows what impact that made on that man's life when this family came over and gave him money to pay for his food. I guarantee you on some level, in some way, the Holy Spirit used that. And maybe, maybe it gave him some hope that he did not have. We together need to not be anonymous, not in this new year, not anymore. So when you walk out of this darkened auditorium or when you are chatting online, tell somebody your name. 
Look, if I'm your pastor and I've been your pastor for a while and I still forget your names, it's okay if you forget one another's names too. Just say, hey, I'm Andrea and I'm bad with names, but good morning, it is good to see you. We need at least 300 people doing that every week when we worship together or worship online. Because we need to matter, you need to matter, and you need to make this life count. It's the only one you've got until we are at one with God. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you show us ways that we need to not remain anonymous anymore? Will you show us ways to love one another? Will you show us how that through your love, your love that never fails, your love that never goes away for us, that we have that love and we can take it and share it with others. That's the power of you. You are an awesome and a powerful God and you fill us always with what we need. May we now be agents of that love in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So whether you pull your resources and buy a lottery ticket or not is totally irrelevant today. I want you to remember to make it count and invest in someone beyond yourself and not just one time. You see, that's the new kick to this message from the message last Sunday. Last Sunday, it was share love. This Sunday, it's about investing. Find someone to invest in. I promise the return will be eternal. Amen.